0: minimalists
1: <laughs> all right before we dive into this episode the minimalists want to help you declutter your glowing screen so head on over to theminimalists.com wallpapers to download any of our free minimalist wallpapers including our love people use things wallpaper for your smartphone or computer enjoy mm-hmm. Hello everybody, welcome to The Minimalist Podcast where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Millburn, And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists. Today we're gonna to talk about buying new and used material possessions with intention. We're gonna talk about purchasing products that last a lifetime. And we're gonna talk about being responsible with our time and money when we shop for the things we need. And we're gonna do all of that with today's guest, Tara Button is here. She's the founder of buymeonce.com. She's also the author of A Lifeless Throwaway. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll hold up book here. You can check that out. We'll put a link to both of those in the show notes as well. Tara, thank you for joining us today. thanks for being here. It's very exciting to be here. We've had this scheduled for, I think, a couple months now, and I've really been looking forward to this because we share very similar philosophies. We're going to be talking about your website, buymeonce.com. We're also going to be answering some questions, and I thought the best place to start today was with Gina's question. She's from Minneapolis. Hey,
2: guys. This is Gina from Minnesota. And I just started listening to your podcast and inserting my downsizing. And I'm running into a small problem as I'm trying to perfect the capsule wardrobe and kind of paring down my items. I find that as I get rid of items that aren't serving me, I catch myself shopping more and more to find like one perfect replacement. For example, getting rid of 10 low-quality sweaters and then setting out to find the one perfect one. And I feel like it's really counterintuitive in that even though I'm trying to be downsized and finding myself feeding into consumerism. And I was just wondering if you had any tips for a practice of downsizing and minimalism, but just being satisfied with what you have instead of seeking out and feeding into your consumerism.
3: Gina, I have good news for you. <laughs> it's okay that you still want to go shopping every once in a while. I mean, I am one of the minimalists and I still desire to have stuff, but you know what I would say? Like I actually, Enjoy shopping more now than what I did in the past. Really, I, I'm the exact opposite. Well, I, for me, it's because I am—I'm more deliberate with it. So, like right now, Mariah and I were—it's like our car has to be replaced eventually, uh-huh. and kind of going through the experience of trying to find a good deal, trying to find the car. It's something that—that um, that I don't hate doing. I mean, it's—it's it's still. When when you got your BlackBerry, mm-hmm. I mean, weren't you like, oh man, I got my BlackBerry, and you were excited? You had the keyboard back. Yeah, but you did a you did I an actually, unboxing
1: video. Sure, but I learned a lesson about that in, in a way that, like, oh, being excited about new products for me is actually a problem. Mm. Now, Terry, you, you your website is really about about the intentional. Um, Uh, bringing things into our lives intentionally but also things that last a, a long time and I think that's what Gina is looking at right now she's saying hey look I'm 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 decluttering I'm downsizing I'm getting rid of this excess stuff that isn't really appropriate for my life anymore but the problem I'm having is now all of a sudden I just want to consume new things that I think are appropriate right now I'm sure you run across this all the time.
4: Absolutely. And I think it's important um, to mention that, you know, when you are downsizing, that that doesn't mean getting rid of everything you own. What I suggest doing in this case is to look at the products that you do own and try and find your kind of your A-team products and also try and figure out what it is about those products that you do own that are your A-team. And when I say your A-team, it's like when everything is washed, what do you reach for first? Mm. What is like that thing that you know that's gonna make you feel great and, and then try and figure out what it is about that product that's so good and then when you do come to buy a new item then go for something that kind of matches that. So what we say at Buy Me Once is don't buy anything you don't need. If you do need something, buy for the long term because it's the best thing you can do for the environment, to save money, but also for your mental health because it means that you're not constantly having to replace shoddy items in your life.
3: Yeah, I, what I love about what you do, Tara, is that you help people with consumerism because consumerism is still a necessary thing. We all have to consume some things. Now, Gina, right? Yeah, Gina. When I was shopping in you know my years of yesteryear, when I go, I would go out. And just browse Best Buy. Like every time I got a big commission check, I would just literally go to Best Buy and walk around mm-hmm. and get cassette tapes. No, <laughs> no, no. I, I actually would not buy cassette tapes or CDs. Um, but, but the thing is, is that when I did that, I was there was this void I was trying to fill. Mm. There was something much deeper going on, and my guess, Gina, is that there is something deeper going on with with this uh, urge to consume. So. What I would recommend is find something else that fulfills you but is meaningful, something that aligns with your values and beliefs. Get clear on what those are first and then start making decisions on how you can, you know, fill those buckets, so to speak. So if you've got five different values, uh, look at how full each value is in your life. Look at those as, you know, kind of buckets of sand. And if one of those is empty... If you try to fill that bucket, that's going to be much more meaningful than going out and buying a new shirt. But she's doing the 10 in or I'm sorry, (laughs) don't do that. She's doing the one in 10 out rule, Mm -hmm. which is a great rule. I mean, she's getting rid of 10 things. She's getting one thing. Um, But well, I I think it's okay as long as you're you're
1: not doing it that way. You're not doing you don't want to do. Well, I, I need to get rid of 10 things and then as a reward, I'm going to buy one thing. I think it's it's generally the opposite. Like I don't think she said it as a reward, though. She, no, said, I,
3: she said she was doing it to replace the 10 things she got rid of. She got rid of 10 sweaters. Right. So now she wants to get the one sweater. I, I got rid of 10 pairs of jeans, and now I have one pair of pants. And I really enjoy those pants. I wear them. It's the only pair of jeans that I have. Right. I I, I like them when I put them on. I feel good about myself. I'm very, very satisfied with that purchase. Um, now, Usually with my clothes, I go to you to help me shop because that I don't enjoy because <laughs> I just don't have much style. <laughs> well, here's the thing with the the the
1: the one in ten out rule. The the point is like if I'm going to bring something in and I have an overabundance of stuff, mm-hmm. I'm going to force myself to either not bring it in because I don't, can't, don't have anything I can get rid of, or if, I'm go- if I have to bring that thing in, then I'm going to try to get rid of 10 things. Now, uh, that's that's predicated on the sort of one in, one out rule, but, but Ryan and I were very extreme at first uh, when we, we went to decluttering. Are, Tara, are there yeah. any rules that helped you with respect to to being more conscious about your consumption?
4: Absolutely, the thing that most helped me, and this is a little bit counterintuitive, I actually wrote a list of things that I didn't need most people write plenty of lists of things that they want or that they do need. But writing this list down actually just gave me an appreciation of everything I already had. Mm. So that was super useful. What a
1: great, because it's an that. infinite list, uh, theoretically. But like as you start listing all of these things, we could fill up this table in size six font of things I don't need. But also, here here's a fascinating twist to that. Maybe it's like things i once thought i needed but now i know i don't need cuz oh, we can yeah. justify anything right <laughs> oh yeah
4: absolutely and and the thing the types of things that i didn't need is like i do not need any more notebooks as a as a writer and as someone who loves creativity like the need or the feeling that, that these notebooks are going to suddenly spark <laughs> something incredible from my mind <laughs> is like ever present if if i go into a um stationery store it's like ooh
1: i need these things right
4: but just having written it down and actually committing to say I don't need these things and in my home I now have all of my notebooks all in a row and these are unused notebooks so they're all kind of laid out like they would be in a store so I have my own stationery store kind of <sighs> in my house ready to go of all the notebooks that over the years I've managed to collect so mm. now I always think back to that and I go I definitely don't need it and that gives me the strength to pass them on by
3: Yeah, I love that
1: Jean I'm gonna send you two books one is Tara's book a life less throwaway. We're going to send you a copy of that, and also um, our book Essential. It's an essay collection of 150 different essays about intentional living. Uh, there are two chapters in there that I think you'll find particularly useful. One is about stuff. The other is about minimalism. There are essays on both of those topics, plus ten other areas of intentional living. If you like our podcast, you will like the audiobook version of that. Or if you want the book book or the ebook version, we're happy to send those to you as well. Our next question is from Elizabeth in Copenhagen.
5: Hi, my name is Elizabeth and I'm seventeen years old. I live in Denmark and my question is like I've started on this minimalism journey. I have really Think that I've come a long way, and I do the decluttering and, like, think have the whole mindset of minimalism, but I feel like over time, like, I keep coming back to the consumerism part. I keep on, like, buying more and more and, like, keep on shopping, but the minimalism idea, like, it's always in my head, and it always makes sense, and it seems so right, and, but I just keep on coming back to the consumerism, so... How can I stop shopping?
1: Now, Tara, I've I've been working on an essay about this. It's called Step Zero, and um, it's do nothing. Mm. Like I think that's one thing we often forget about as we're like getting ready to go down this journey. Like you get excited about minimalism, or you get excited about shopping. And all of a sudden, it's like boom! I need to go buy this thing, or I need to go declutter this thing. But for me, Step Zero is. Do nothing. It's to respect the sort of pause. There, there's a moment of like, okay, like I want to go consume this thing. I want to go buy this. I want to go shopping. I want to go to the mall. I want to bring this into my life. I want to do this. I need these things to be happy. But before I go out and do that, maybe step zero is do nothing. And, and that's the first thing I'm going to talk to Elizabeth about here is you're actually asking some really important questions. You're mm-hmm. 17 years old and you're asking, how can I consume more deliberately? This whole minimalism thing makes sense to me. Wow, I mean bravo to you yeah. for, for recognizing this right now, and not waiting until you're 27, 37, 47, 57. We, we've had people in their 80s come to our events and say I'm decluttering for the first time in my life, and while that's great, you're recognizing it at the beginning. Of your life, the beginning of, of your adulthood. Now, Ryan touched on something earlier, um, where he said, "You know, consumption is necessary, but consumerism is is not. You know, consumerism is is unintentional, but we all need to consume some things. And so, these questions you're asking yourself right now are: What are the things that are appropriate for this stage in my life? Now, there are some things that you'll buy that will last you." a generation or maybe even a lifetime. And I think that's the thing with with Buy Me Once is it's not like you're gonna buy this and you have to keep it for the rest of your life, but if you want a, a couch, for example, maybe that couch is gonna last you decades as opposed to something that will crumble after six months of, of sitting on it.
4: Absolutely. And actually having something that lasts a really long time means that it holds its value so much better so that if you did want to pass it on either to your kids or to sell it, then it means that it holds that value for for so much longer. But what I would like to say uh, to Elizabeth that it, it, it really, I mean, firstly, it's incredibly impressive that you're getting involved with this stuff. But secondly, it really doesn't surprise me that she's struggling. And that's because every message, apart from maybe this podcast and a couple of websites, is the opposite. It is to buy. And as somebody who worked in advertising for 10 years, I know how manipulative it is and that how it, it's incredibly hard because you can consciously want to live a minimalist lifestyle but advertising doesn't work on that level. Mm. Advertising works directly to our subconscious, and I know this because I've written them to be as manipulative as possible, and I'm now kind of paying my penance for that by <laughs> <laughs> by starting By Me Once and, and writing this book, but um, being conscious of this manipulation and the way that it gets into our heads is one of the first steps that yeah. I would say.
3: Yeah, no, I love that. Like when I think about when I first went down the minimalism road that my minimalism journey i realized how the magazines i got the tv shows i watched like there were these advertisements that were seeping into my brain and i wasn't even realizing how they were affecting my my impulses when it when it comes to consuming so never
1: even thought about it yeah right? like the, yeah. the 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 rolex ad on the back of the The magazine, but the truth is, like, okay, the Rolex isn't going to buy you more time, right? And and the Mercedes Benz advertisement uh, on, you know, the Details magazine or whatever you were subscribed to at the time, it's like, oh yeah, that's going to get me there faster. No, it's not. It's just going to get me into debt faster. Absolutely. They don't ever advertise the debt that you're actually going (laughs) to go into. God, could you imagine? You're going to have to work, you know, two thousand hours in order to pay off this your car. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Why am I doing this? It's, actually, it's extracting my freedom from my life, even though those advertisements, what do they portray? They portray a new kind of freedom. Like, oh, if you just buy this, you'll be more complete or more happy or more adventurous. You'll be a different person if you buy this. But of course, you won't
3: be a different person. You'll just have more debt, more stress, more discontent. Yeah. So, Elizabeth, I mean, you could totally cut out some of the advertisements in your life. That'll help a little bit. But, you know, ultimately, for me, like I said with Gina's question, like, I still want to buy stuff. I wish I could sit here and say, listen to our podcast, buy all our books, read everything on our website, and you'll never want to buy anything again. Uh, If anyone ever actually figures out that formula, let us know. We'd love to know because I, I still want to buy stuff. Minimalism is not this there's not an end game to it it's not uh it's not this thing you get to and then now you can live a perfect life minimalism is a journey and it's constantly changing because elizabeth you're 17 years old your 17 year old self needs different things than what your 27 year old self is going to need and minimalism will help you make those decisions so the questions that she's asking like like you said this is it's really awesome that she's doing this at 17 years old. She's 10 years ahead of me. In fact, like anytime a high schooler reaches out to us, it's one of the biggest compliments. Like I love that young people are already kind of in this mindset, avoiding debt, uh, worried about the environment. For whatever reason, they are in uh, into our message. It's, it's really, 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 uh, it's inspiring to me. So thank you for inspiring me, Elizabeth. One thing I'll say too is, you know what I do, man? When I feel like I want to, when I feel empty, Um, I don't go to shopping. So that is one thing I'll say that I have totally changed. When I feel empty, I don't go to Best Buy. That doesn't even pop into my head. But what I will do is I will find a way where I can give. And that might be like calling my mom. That might be going to the soup kitchen. It might be walking down the street and there's a homeless dude who's like, hey, I need five bucks for a meal. I'll go buy him a chicken sandwich or something. Like, going out of my way. Now, Popeyes or (laughs) Chick-fil-A? Well, since Popeyes doesn't have any chicken sandwiches ever, they continuously run out. bring your own
1: bread. Did you hear that?
3: Get out of here. You can
1: bring your own bun. That's what they do. You know
3: this is a marketing ploy, right? Oh, totally. They're not out of chicken sandwiches. And they're they're geniuses for making this a marketing ploy. But yeah, I mean, I mean, go out of your way to contribute because there are things that you can do impulsively that actually do add value, not just to other people's lives but to your own life. And if you can find those solutions like that, is how you're going to be the happiest, Elizabeth. But you know, you're, again, you're always going to have that that impulse to to buy. I mean, living. I'm, I'm uh, Josh and I are writing this book right now, and I was reading the chapter on stuff, and you mentioned in that chapter about how. Uh, We're in the land of, like, Lamborghinis and Teslas and Rodeo Drive. and and it's it's, Triple-decker
1: strip mall. Yeah.
3: So living in L.A., like, we are in the thick of consumerism. And every time I see a Tesla, I'm like, oh, I want a Tesla. And every time I see a nice suit, I'm like, you know what? I, I think I might go and get a nice suit. I mean, there are all these impulses that I have. But because I have instilled this philosophy and these values into my life, it's much easier for me to stave off those impulses. So, Elizabeth, you're doing the right things. You're 17 years old. Not to mention her being in high school and like all her friends.
4: So much pressure. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, I think that the one of the things that uh, young people and well, any people can do is really um, take the time to take a step back, get to know yourself, your actual taste and what you care about because you're getting messages from everywhere Mm -hmm. about what you should care about but actually doing the research on yourself in advance means that when you do go to a shop and you you do feel like you want to buy something at least you'll be buying something that you might like for for the long term or at least a a few years rather than something that is an impulse purchase which is then sits in your closet and that's where we end up with the so many clothes, nothing to wear feeling mm-hmm. and and so I don't think Elizabeth should beat herself up for wanting to buy things at all. I think, you know, purchase mindfully and, you know, that will be its own way out.
1: Yeah. Elizabeth, I'm going to give you two concrete things to, to consider here. One, we call it the wait for it rule or the, the 30-30 rule. And uh, basically, uh, to stave off impulse, I can afford something that costs $15 or, or $40 right now. Like, mm. Let's say I go on Amazon, I want to buy this widget that's $40. I can afford that right now. But if anything is over $30, I wait 30 hours. To, to buy it. And if it's over a 100 bucks, I try to wait 30 days. Uh, and so we call that the wait for it rule or the 3030 rule. Uh, it's easy to remember with 3030. There's also uh, the 10 most expensive possessions rule. And, and really it's a, a theory from uh, Jeffrey Miller who wrote a book called Spent. And what you do is you take a piece of paper, you write a line down the middle. and I'm doing this here on on camera, but you write a line down the middle, and on one side, you write down the 10 most expensive possessions that you own or that you want to own. And then you write down the 10 most memorable uh, experiences or the, 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 the 10 most um, uh, the, the 10 things that bring you the most joy, what we'll is called 10 joy. So 10 possessions and 10 joy. And you'll be shocked that probably, zero things on these two lists overlap and when you do that it gives you some power to realize like oh like the tool the things in my life are tools in my life and they can augment my life they can help out but the core message of minimalism is probably this you probably don't need that and if you think about it that way then you can bring in th- things to your life that will help enhance your life, but they won't get in the way of the joy that you're trying to purchase by buying those things. Elizabeth, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. In that book, you're asking about how do we, what do I fill my life with if it's not consumerism? Well, Ryan alluded to this earlier with values. You have to get clear on what your values are. And that book is really about identifying your foundational values and how they apply to your life, the five foundational values. So I think you'll f- enjoy that. Either the audiobook, the book book, or the ebook version of minimalism, live a meaningful life. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is? It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We are at the minimalists on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tara, I think you're just at Tara Button and at Buy Me Once. Indeed, yes. Okay. Me. Beautiful. So you can you can tweet her, Instagram her snapchat her myspace or whatever the the kids are doing these days and uh, we'll put a link to her social media and her website in the show
3: notes as well ryan what's the first question here from uh mino 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 writes in how do i know what i really want is what i really need mm. that's a great question yeah so so want and need i mean i actually just touched
1: on this a little bit you probably don't need that is the the core message of minimalism i think most of the things in our lives we don't need in the the truest sense of the word need like i need shelter i need food i need i guess i need clothing because it's illegal not to wear it right (laughs) uh but but most of the things are wants, and it's okay to want some stuff. Right, Tara?
4: Absolutely, it's all right to want some stuff. But the, the trouble with consumerism, materialism, is that it really does get in the way um, of our happiness. There's been incredible studies which shows that when we feel we're consumers, mm. we change our attitude to life in in general. So I think it's about really thinking about what, what we lose when we focus on on consuming and what we want and that should give us the impetus to really answer this question, what do we need and and what do we want? And And I think actually writing that list of things that you don't need is a good place uh, to start because you'll see all the things that you have in general. And I think that what we all need is connection above everything. Mm. Every study that I read in order to research this book just brought 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 it back to people and what your community is like and what your relationships are like and i think that if your needs are being met on an emotional level with your relationships that's when you realize that there's so little material things that you actually need
1: yeah yeah the the and and those things that, that we bring in, if they're actually getting in the way of that connection, if they're getting in the way of community. Now, there are a bunch of ways that things can get in the way, right? I mean, it can mean, well, now I have to work more hours in order to pay this off, so I'm not spending time with... My significant other, or my friends, or I'm not contributing to the community, or they might get in the way of well, you don't have enough time to focus on your health, or they might get your consumption might get in the way of your creating, mm. and, and so there are a bunch of ways that things can get in the way. Of course, the most obvious one is physically, right? If the average American household has 300,000 items in it, we're we're literally tripping over our things. They get in the way that way, but then there are so many other ways that they sort of get in the way figuratively now with the lightning round we try to do is sum it up with a a short pithy less than 140 character response i'm i'm sure tara said a few things there about connection that podcast sean can tweeze out there and make a tweetable version for the uh the show notes but my my pithy answer to this is sometimes everything you ever wanted isn't actually what you want and it took me about 30 years to, to figure that out I thought like happiness was right around the bend. It was one purchase away. And if I got that Lexus, then I would be happy. And then when I wasn't, I kid you not, if I got the second Lexus, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And of course, we call this the, the hedonic treadmill. And we continue to acquire thinking the things are going to bring us happiness. But happiness is never, is never. Uh, brought to us by these externalities, pleasure can be you know temporary, ephemeral pleasure, but it's always fleeting. And mm. in in the the drug world, they they call that chasing the dragon, right? You get you, you get high, and you're like, I, I need to return to that again. Well, we get high from consumerism, and we try to return
3: to that, but of course, it never works. It doesn't bring us that contentment we're actually searching for. Yeah, definitely, Tara. I I think you've got. The better answer than me. And you, what, what you said really stands out to me is there's one thing we all need for sure. And that is connection. Like that's, that is absolutely true. Uh, my pithy answer, Josh, what you were talking about earlier was a perfect segue to it. It's okay to have something you want as long as you can afford the real cost. So it's more than money. Like money is the initial barrier, but there's so many other costs storing the thing, repairing the thing, the space you need for the thing. Uh, it's like when I, when I think about things that I want, like I really, when I was in Montana, I really wanted to like do fly fishing. Cause that is like the most cliche thing you can do in Montana. But I was, I could very easily talk myself out of it. Uh, yes, I could afford it monetarily. Yeah. I probably had the space to keep, uh, you know, my fishing pole and, and, and the tackle that goes along with it. Um, but ultimately I did not have the time to add another hobby to my life. If I did, bring that into my life. I knew I was going to have to give up mountain biking or snowboarding or longboarding or you know anything else that you can do on a board. And I wasn't willing to give those things up for fly fishing.
1: I love I love there's a pithy answer in there. You don't have the time to own more. Yeah, that's good, man. That's good. And and when you think about about that, it's like we don't ever consider the time our most precious resource, that and attention that, that that's a cost. The cost about worrying over the thing and then and fretting and 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 the psychological weight and psychological cost of all
3: these things. That is such a good example of our relationship. You've got all the good words, man. <laughs> <laughs> can I add a pithy on Yeah, of course, of yeah.
4: Um to kind of sum up, I guess what I was trying to say, it is that no item can make you more or less of a person.
3: Yeah. Oof. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. I, I mean, if you can't with any of these questions, like if you cannot Look in the mirror and be happy with yourself right now. There is no, there is no, uh, you know, materialistic thing you can buy that's going to make you like yourself more. Um, you know, if you're starving, you're starving. You need food. If you're thirsty, if you're dehydrated, you need water. Um, but besides, you know, those those life essentials, um, there's nothing you can bring into your life that's going to make you feel more complete. All right, before we dive into our added value
1: segment and our listener tips and tricks, it looks like we have a bunch more surprise questions today, including what's the best way to replace my sunglasses if I always lose them?
3: Get rid of your eyes. That's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a
1: minute. (laughs) Can I spend money on clothing if I'm still in debt? How can I spend less money on high quality food? How do you avoid analysis paralysis when making purchasing decisions? What are the key questions to ask yourself when delineating want versus need? And we have so much more to talk about with Tara Button. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode. But each week, Ryan and I record an entirely different, much, much longer, maximal episode on The Minimalist's private podcast, which gives us the private space we need to talk about topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to The Minimalist's private podcast on Patreon, you'll also receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. Find all the details and all the good stuff, including an additional private podcast episode every week over at theminimalists.com slash support. It's also worth noting, Ryan, we, we're over 4,000 patrons now, which is amazing, which also means that Sean, uh, Podcast Sean, Jordan no more, and Social Jess are going to do a, a podcast episode together just for the patrons. I'm excited. And uh, we're capping our audience at 6,000 patrons as well. So We're more than two-thirds of the way there. If you're interested in becoming a supporter of the podcast and getting all of the private podcasts, we want to keep that audience relatively small at 6,000 people. Now is the time. You can find that over at
3: theminimalists.com slash support. Ryan, what else you got for us? Read more and get informed. You can do that by checking out Tara Button's book, A Life Less Throwaway. And also, I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out.
5: Hi, my name is Kathleen, and I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm calling to respond to episode 52 on stress. I have two tips for Tasha, the teacher. I am also a teacher. I teach a writing class for 11th and 12th graders, and grading papers is always very time-consuming. I'm not convinced that there's a way around that, even though I've been trying for years now. I have discovered that with writing, my students learn a lot more when they edit and correct their work. So, I'd like to suggest that Tasha have students grade their own papers. You shouldn't do this with every paper, but you can easily set up a system where students grade their own papers every now and then. You can write a worksheet that asks them to identify key parts of their paper, like topic sentences and supporting points and conclusion sentences, and grade their own work. You can customize your worksheet to fit whatever concept you're covering at that part of the school year, and you can also have students trade with each other and grade each other's papers. Both options require some setup and structure put in place first, but it's a wonderful way to help students learn what stakes they're making in their writing without having you just tell them what they're doing wrong. Second, I heard this on another podcast, but I think it's a great piece of advice. Your district probably only requires a certain number of grades per semester or per quarter. Most teachers actually give out more grades than they have to. So look into the requirements for your district and district, and talk to the administration at your school about how many numerical grades you need to give out and see if what you're doing is more than is required. Teaching can be really rewarding, work, but it is a lot of work. I want to encourage Tasha to look up new methods of teaching and talk to other teachers about how they manage the workload. It can get better.
2: Hi, my name's Cassidy. I live in St. Pete, Florida. Um, I was just listening to the podcast about impulses, and I was listening to Erica talk about her small business and how she gets stressed out kind of over other people's consumerism. And... I was just thinking like, you know, for the example she gave about the lady buying more yarn when she already had so much, if that's something that stresses her out, she can maybe try doing like workshops or offer some sort of incentive. I don't know what else she sells, but maybe have some sort of event where people bring in their old yarn and there's some sort of craft where she can educate or how to utilize what people already have or maybe something like an incentive where people come in, bring their excess that they're not using, and that can be given uh, a discount towards the people purchasing something else, and then utilize that those items for maybe some sort of event that helps people in the community, whether it's a free event or something for children or a senior citizens, something where you can give back, and that way those materials are being used again that aren't being used by the people who already have them, and then people are also kind of reallocating their resources. Um, that they're not utilizing in their own home and thus minimizing what they have and helping others. So that was just something when I was listening to that that I thought could be really helpful. You know, she's very passionate and loves her um, business that she has going on. So that way it's not like, oh, I have to give up and try something all new and start all over and potentially have the same problems all over again. This might be a solution to where it causes less stress for her, for Erica, in her business and then she's also kind of providing to her clientele as well as her community.
1: Alright y'all, thanks again to Tara Button for joining us today. You can check her out buymeonce.com you can also find her on social media at Tara Button. Real quick, for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalist. Actually, two things today, Ryan. You just did your home tour, a beautiful, beautiful home you have, <laughs> and I was actually surprised by how little you own. I mean, I know you're a minimalist, and and you and I have been best friends for a long time, but it seems to me that like when you came to LA, you, really, you and Mariah asked that question, like, how much is too much. And it it turns out you don't need much to actually be happy. And so I would encourage folks to check out his home (laughs) tour over at youtube.com slash The Minimalists. And also uh, on our website, if you you can find his home tour, uh, TheMinimalists.com slash Ryan, you can find it there. And on our website right now, if you go to TheMinimalists.com slash before, the, the, the word before, we have a free wallpaper for your smartphone and for your computer. It's the five questions you should ask yourself before buying anything. And I really like this because it's a good reminder to have this on your phone if you're like waiting in line at, you know, wherever, CVS or Target or or, or uh, where do you shop these days, Ryan? Charlotte Russe? <coughs> sure. <laughs> Fred Siegel. Okay. Because I, like I like to pretend I'm young. So you're at Fred Siegel and you're like, I really need these overalls or whatever you're buying. <laughs> Is that what the kids are wearing um and and you're waiting in line and it's a wallpaper it has uh, i need to ask these five questions it's a good reminder you have it right there on your phone or you have it on your computer if you're doing online shopping or you can even print it out as the small like pdf poster and, and post it like near your desk somewhere like I'm getting ready to buy this thing. Let me ask these five questions first. And if I feel good about af- after after I, uh, after I feel good about it after I ask these five questions and answer them, then I can still buy the thing. So, it's a free wallpaper for you for your phone, for your computer to print out if you'd like. slash before If you have a question, comment or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail 406-219-7839 or send a voice memo the podcast at com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list at the top of theminimalists.com. You'll also get our Simple Sunday emails. For our added value this week, let's listen to a song from the Lumineers' new album. Have you heard this album yet, Ryan? No. It's really good. It's it's about, it's about an album of, it's about addiction, so you and I can definitely relate to it. Just growing up in families that have both struggled with addiction. And it's a three-part album. So it's actually four parts because they have like three bonus songs. So it's four discs. I mean, we don't listen to discs anymore, but three songs each. And so it's about an individual, and it shifts perspective. And it's it's struggling with addiction and, and sort of all the baggage and the weight and the turmoil within your family that comes along with that. And it's a beautiful album. It's It's very... It's very minimalist, very stripped down. The instrumentation is gorgeous, and the song I'd like to close us out with today from that album. By the way, the album is called Three, just the Roman Roman numeral three. The song I'd like to close the show with today is "Salt and the Sea." And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this: love people and use things, because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
0: Could it be I was the on the back staircase you fell to your knees with tears in your eyes all that you suffered all the disease you couldn't hide it hide it from me all alone scared in